Hello. Welcome to... <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Welcome to Wild and Theology. My name is Will, and this is my good friend and co-host, Kaylee. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah, so today what we're going to do is talk about my most recent trip uh, and some of the insights I got from it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a lot of fun. And this was mushrooms, right? This was mushrooms, <laughs> right. Yeah, I took um, B plus mushrooms, Ooh. which I don't really know. Like I, I've done a little bit of research into like what the difference between the different strains are. Mm -hmm. But it's like the difference in the proportion and potency of, you know, psilocybin, psilocin, and then um, the third one escapes me. <laughs> but there's a, there's a third one. There could be more. Yeah, I find B plus to be very mild. Yeah. Like it seems like a very smooth trip when I compare it to like Mazeptec, which is like, I feel like it's a more brutal trip, a more intense mm -hmm. trip. Yeah. Like it really Whoa. like digs into you. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one is just kind of like a smoother ride. Yeah. You know? Um, I like reading all the descriptions on the online of all the different strains. Mm-hmm. And how they're all just like kind of, they're all just describing mushrooms in general. <laughs> I wonder, I mean, I don't know. I've only tried a few. B plus was actually my first strain ever. So yeah. it's good. But you know, I wonder how much they actually differ. And it's, I know. it's just your perception. Well, honestly, that's like, that's something that I'm going to get into with my trip because there's a, there's a big part of it that I think We'll get into that. We'll get, okay. We're going to get into that. No spoilers. Okay. Yeah, no spoilers. Everything <laughs> will come to you as it's supposed to. So hold on. <laughs> um, so yeah, like if you if you watched our first episode, you'll know that the way that I approach the psychedelic experience is using spiral dynamics. And I'm not going to go too deeply into that here, but it's essentially like a societal, a model of societal development. And it can be divided. Uh, brought down to the personal level. Um, so yeah, if, you, if you're interested in going deeper into like the particulars of how that works, you can check out our first episode. Um, we'll put the exact time for that in the description of this episode. So yeah, so the, the first stage that we're gonna be focusing on is uh, stage purple. And stage purple is essentially the stage of tribal society. Right, And so the values of this tribal society is that kinship and a sense of belonging uh, are very important as well as like the family must be protected from harm, right? And so like at that stage of society, the tribe really is your family. And so like you'll do everything you can to ensure the safety of the tribe. And like you'll even have leaders at this stage where they're not a leader in the way we would think they are. They really are... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Subordinate to the tribe. You know, the, the, the needs of the tribe come before the needs of the leader. Whereas like the kind of individualistic, selfish leadership, that comes after this. Because in this kind of society, in this kind of environment, your survival is so dependent on the tribe that you need to make sure the tribe is healthy or you are not safe. You'll die, mm -hmm. you know? It's also very magical in the way they view the, the natural world. Right, right. Like everything is alive, like animistic spirituality. Yeah, yeah. Or everything, like the trees are alive, the sky. 
mm-hmm. all the animals, like everything is magical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like one of the one of the names that people have come up with this stage beyond just stage purple is like the animistic stage. Mm-hmm. And like everything has spirits. Yeah. Everything is alive, like you said. And it's it's not merely like you know, they'll have a kind of totem and it's um, representative of this aspect of nature or something. It's like they legitimately believe that these things are alive, that there is a spirit there, there's sentience there. Mm -hmm. And if we kind of like think about, you know, the development of the human mind and human consciousness, when you're just gaining the ability to turn consciousness back on itself and like to be like a sentient being, you'll start to like view the reality and be like, is, is this stiff is stuff, this stiff, is this stuff as alive as I am, you know? And it makes a lot of sense that like, if you, if you, one of the things that's about tribal society is that they'll have certain rituals and superstitions that like, if, uh, if a cow dies on a full moon, they'll think, oh, on the full moon, cows are in danger. And so they'll come up with these rituals to protect cows. Mm-hmm every full moon and like i said earlier this is really about survival and so they're very very they're very traditional and almost to a fault where it's like because their survival depends so much on these rituals if you break one of the rituals it really is a matter of life and death Mm -hmm. you know and like if if one of the elders says that like okay the red mushroom if you eat that mushroom you're gonna die and then somebody eats that red mushroom and you, they die, well, then you're going to believe everything that the elders tell you. You're going to believe everything that, like, is within the culture of this society. And you're not going to challenge it because if you challenge it, you get exiled and alone you will die, mm. right? And so, like, even though they may have some what we would consider superstitious ideas, there's so much evidence for some of these ideas that, like, you, you really have, you really can't challenge it. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess that's the point. And so that when we talk about like in, in the, in the first episode of the podcast, where we talked about how s- these stages have certain shadow elements, when we talk about tribal society and the shadows that they have is that they tend to be very conservative, close minded us versus them and cling to the past. It's not necessarily to say that like every tribal society has these issues but when the shadow elements do come into being, they tend to be these ways. Mm-hmm. And that's why this like kind of this stage theories of development, this view is so important is because like if you believe certain things about how people should be organized into groups, if you believe certain things about like nature and reality where like there are spirits in things, you're going to have certain shadow elements that just naturally arise out of that or certain healthy elements that just naturally arise out of that. Mm -hmm. And again, like I said, if you believe that rituals are so important that they are a matter of life and death, then the more you hold on to those rituals, the more conservative and closed-minded you become just naturally. Like if if your child breaks some tribal law, some unspoken tribal law, your child could die. Right. And so like you have to be extremely close minded to any kind of individualistic way of being because you want to protect your family. Mm -hmm. You want to protect the tribe. Yeah. And it comes back to that kind of self-sacrifice, like individual sacrifice, like Mm -hmm. you're individually not important, but who you are within the group, like the group is the unit and you are just part of that, that thing. 
That's exactly it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if you're somebody who's a very like communal person or a very like socialistic person, uh, not necessarily to do with socialism, but like a very like you, you enjoy community and you think that community is very valuable and you kind of are the type of person that would kind of turn away from overly individualistic ways of being. You understand that like how this person might approach reality in the sense that like the community is always more important than the individual. But as I said, there are very healthy aspects of these societies. Mm-hmm. And so some of the, the healthy aspects are like safety, mm-hmm. warmth, caring, social, emotional bonding, right? Yeah. Because the tribe is so close, it is your family. There is a huge sense of safety within this tribe. You know, when you consider like going to work or going to like the bar or something, you may feel comfortable there. But there's also a sense of danger because you don't know these people. Mm-hmm. Whereas, or even like going to like a, a family um, gathering, you might not feel completely at home or at safe. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, like in a tribal society, you feel safe with everyone there because they are like that close. And so mm-hmm. there's just this profound sense of safety when these tribes are in a healthy form. Mm-hmm. And... When, so, so with all that being said, when we apply like stage purple to the idea of personal development through the use of psychedelics, it really is about learning how those shadow elements are opening up or showing up in your own life mm-hmm. and how you can convert those shadow elements into the very healthy aspects mm-hmm. of tribal society. As that translates to the individual level, like as this purple is being born out of a very like self-centered just um survival mode mm-hmm. like that's like the very base very base survival when you're like a baby For and sure. then obviously you learn that you need to you need the social the community to survive and when you're learned that from a very young age in a tribal society where everybody is just really close and you feel that safety from everybody you're surrounded with not even just your immediate family like everybody that creates a very healthy comfort with forming those social bonds and you see the world like i mean if you're in a tribe that's your only world but Mm -hmm. having that be your base understanding from when you're growing up that's the way you see people you see them as people who care for you yeah and who will accept you and Mm -hmm. who it's easy for you to build those social bonds yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely that's a very strong very strong strength of purple societies. Mm-hmm. It definitely. And like reading the, uh, the books, biodynamics, um, one of the things that they mention is how like the love, like a stage purple love is the most unconditional love mm-hmm. you can experience. You know, like they talk about how, um, certain experiences you have in your life can kind of reactivate these ways of thinking. And one of them is like the birth of a child Mm -hmm. or the death of a relative, these very personal and very emotionally relevant experiences. That's when you kind of activate this very like family tribal oriented way of being. Mm -hmm. When in our lives do we integrate the lessons of stage purple? And like you said, it is during childhood. Uh, It's about tribe and family or early school. So those are the areas that we're actually integrating these lessons. And so you, if you have issues in your early life, you're going to have issues in stage purple. Mm-hmm. And so a kind of litmus test for this 
is how close do you feel to your family? How close do you feel to your friends? How, do you, how close do you feel to um, society at large? And bringing this back to like myself and it's like, okay, so how did stage purple manifest in my life? Like wh what is my history with stage purple? And uh, honestly, it was not the best. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like um, I, uh, I had, um, I'm getting resistance talking about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Thank you. I'm like, the resistance is not necessarily in talking about it. It's like, oh, was it really that bad? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, like. It was though. It's not that it, it's not yeah. that it was like the worst thing ever, you know? Like, I feel like we often compare ourselves mm -hmm. to like, oh, was it really that bad? So many people have had like truly awful things happen to them. But the truth is when you, when you're thinking about the shadow and stuff and how that forms, especially around a particular stage, I think, um, I think the word trauma, it sounds really intense mm -hmm. and it has a lot of weight that it carries, but it's kind of any point in which you got stuck, any point in which you hid some part of yourself to keep yourself safe, because yeah. ultimately that's what purple is about. It's about that safety from mm -hmm. your tribe. And when you're young and you learn in some way that you're unsafe based on something that happened external to you, whether that's just some random kid being a dick yeah, or yeah. if that's like something truly like someone abusing you in some way, you know, like there's a full range of things that can happen for sure. And like, it's all, it's all valid. Cause when you're young, you don't, that's what you're learning, mm -hmm. you know, and you're not, I don't know, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I get what you mean. And like, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's so true that like, I kind of, I look at my notes in front of me and I kind of start like minimizing my experiences and I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know. I just start minimizing them. But like, mm -hmm. however, whatever, like the truth or the, you know, the quantifiable amount of suffering, it's like mm -hmm. I, I suffered and like I had a lot of anxiety because of these things mm -hmm. and that's what matters. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like, it's not a contest about like, oh, who had it worst? You know, I can look up stories of people who've like committed suicide or something from the bullying they experienced. It really was bullying. I, I think I didn't mention that before, but it was mm -hmm. my experiences at school being bullied is like some people kill themselves over that stuff. Yeah. And I'm still standing here, you know, with pretty good emotional health. Mm -hmm. Like in the past few years, I've really become conscious of how good my emotional health is. And and so like part of that emotional health is honoring the suffering that I did experience and not minimizing it where it's like, oh, I'm so emotionally healthy now. Therefore, the, the suffering that I experienced isn't that bad where mm -hmm. it's like it could have been that bad. Mm -hmm. You've just gone through the process of healing yourself. And so like you can say you can have that contrast now. And that's the thing about personal development and self-actualization, too, is that you don't have to be struggling from some particular mental disorder or like suffering to the point where it's ruining your life but you still have to go through everything that you've been through mm -hmm. to overcome it because exactly. it's still affecting you to one extent or the other you know yeah. it's not it's not nothing and you could write it off and be like oh it wasn't that bad i don't need to process that but you do mm -hmm. because it does show up in little ways and those are valuable things to get past exactly yeah, yeah. okay here we go. I'll try my best. Okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I said, uh, I was bullied a lot in elementary school 
and uh, really always just felt like a social outcast mm -hmm. because of that. You know, like during a really formative time where, like I said, like this is where you form that connection to the tribe and you learn how to do that social emotional bonding um, with people outside of your family. I didn't have the best experiences, right? And so like, I guess um, one, of the, one of the stories that's kind of the, the most memorable is, uh, I think it was in like grade four, we were playing tag on the playground and they basically like, I was the fat kid. I wasn't very fit, I was slow. And so I kind of got singled out as the person people would tag it. And it kind of got to the point where, um, it kind of got to the point where uh, if I was it, right, it would take me forever to actually tag somebody because I was fat and slow, basically, <laughs> you know, like, um, and then when I would actually tag somebody and it, it was their turn, you couldn't tag back, like the no tag backs rule, mm -hmm. right? The, mm -hmm. the, the tribal law of yeah. the playground. Um, <laughs> somebody else would like let that person tag them. And then they would go and tag me to like try to get mm. me tagged, right? And then like the kids would uh, block me on the playground, like corner me so the person who was it could come and get me. And it was really like I was being singled out to make sure that I was always it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I look back at that as an adult, I'm like, okay, you were always it. Like, get over it. And it's more of that get minimizing. Yeah, get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's more of that minimizing. But like as a kid, like even now when you're being singled out, Mm -hmm. It's a horrible feeling to be singled out like that. And there was one point where I, I just like started bawling my eyes out. And I was just like so overwhelmed with just like the emotions of having been ostracized mm -hmm. from the tribe. And it was a very intense outburst. Like I'm crying. I'm like screaming basically just having a tantrum. This was at? At, at school. Uh, okay. This was like during tag. Okay. Right. Yeah. And because of that, the kids basically learned, oh, if we push him hard enough, it'll be a show. Yeah. Right. And so it basically started this, the next few years of just being poked and prodded to see like how far do we have to poke him to like get another show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like being called fat, being called, you know, um, you know, homophobic slurs and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. I'm not gay, but like we're kids and they would just like call that, you know. Mm -hmm. And just like stuff like that, just like being bullied for, for years. And it kind of got to the point where um, I was terrified to go to school, mm -hmm. just absolutely petrified to go to school. And I, I got, when, when I look back at that period of my life, I just view it as a time of fear. I just associate so much fear to that time. Mm -hmm. And like, um, I definitely did have, for, like, I guess that's an important point. There was only, uh, I was in a farming community and so I was in a split class of grade, when I first got there, I was in grade four and it was a split class of kindergarten to grade four. And then once I got into grade five, it was five to seven, right? And so it was like split classes like this and like 24 people per class with all those grades. And so like, if you're the one who's singled out, you have nobody, mm -hmm. right? But I did have friends. I did have somebody sometimes. But what happened is that like, if I was being bullied, the people who were my friends at the time wouldn't step in at all mm -hmm. or they would join into the bullying because mm -hmm. there's so few kids that they just like joined in. And I'm sure that happens at larger schools, of course. But uh, I basically learned some very valuable lessons, valuable at the time, where um, 
I learned to, you know, and I have this list in front of me, the key lessons that I learned is one of them is like to distrust people and assume that there's a manipulation going on or there's betrayal going on. Mm -hmm. Because if I had friends with somebody, I, I learned that eventually they were going to bully me too. Mm -hmm. Or if I, if I told them something, they would eventually use that against me while I was being bullied, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, if I was being ostracized from the tribe, that must also mean that I'm unacceptable, right? If, if everybody in the tribe is telling you that you are the odd one out, you're the one who's not like worthy of the tribe, you learn that there's something intrinsically wrong with you. Mm -hmm. And I kind of moved on from that point in my life, just assuming that there was something about me that needed to be fixed, mm -hmm. right? There's something about me specifically that I needed to change so that I could be one with the tribe. Mm -hmm. And I also learned I had to fear being overly sensitive. Yeah. And so this is another one where it's like, I learned that I needed to hide these emotions from other people mm -hmm. because I remember being pulled aside and told like, oh, you're just being overly sensitive. Like one of the teachers said this. Like, after you're just, this outburst? Uh, after this outburst and, and other outbursts. Because there was oh, obviously yeah. more outbursts because I was being, it was a show at that point, like oh, I said. Oh, right, right. They kept um, going. And I was basically told by the teacher that, oh, you're too sensitive. Like you're too much, uh, there was a word that she said that was in my mind, but I completely lost it. But basically she said I was too sensitive, mm -hmm. right? And I really do think that's like probably because I was a boy. Yeah. Right? Boys aren't meant to be that sensitive. Boys don't cry. Boys don't lose their cool. Um, and so I learned that like I was not entitled to my emotional pain. I learned that like I, if I wanted to be a man, I needed to hide that shit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all this stuff was going on. And it's like, uh, I remember having a conversation with my mom, maybe I was like 22 at the time. And I told her about this stuff. And she was like, I had no idea any of this was going on. Mm -hmm. not not at all because like why would i tell her when i'm supposed to keep this within mm -hmm. why would i tell anybody if i'm supposed to be like not sensitive right yeah um and even now like when i'm talking about this i don't i, I feel like that's one of the reasons that i minimize is that i'm still dealing with that like need to not be sensitive mm -hmm. where it's like don't be a bitch like okay it happened when you were a kid like you're a fucking man now mm -hmm. don't be emotionally hurt about this stuff but it was very painful. It was honestly very painful. Um, but ultimately, I think the biggest lesson was that uh, I, I learned that the tribe was a place of pain. Mm -hmm. And that rather than being an opportunity for social emotional bonding, it was a, a dangerous place that I had to learn to navigate by changing myself, by fixing myself to fit what I thought was expected of me. And so, I, you know, people pleasing has definitely been an issue that I've, I've learned to get past for the most part, I think. Mm -hmm. But like one of my earlier trips this year was about taking no false gods before yourself mm -hmm. is not pleasing, pleasing yourself first, basically, and being okay with that. You know, um, my, my, that same trip that, that taking no false gods before yourself trip, I was showed how much I instrumentalize people and myself where it's like I needed to fit people into the proper place and fit certain aspects into the proper place because they needed to serve a function, right? So it's like each person served a purpose and I had to extract the value by acting in the right way, mm. right? And so people became a means to an end because meaningful relationships were a place of pain. And 
it's it became more about threat management than emotional mm. bonding if that makes sense that does make sense yeah just that that shadow that comes out because you learned that you weren't safe even with your friends and even though you have different friends now and mm-hmm. we weren't the ones that did this to you you know <laughs> um yeah it's still it, it's just that's your that's like the first place you learned this. So that's mm-hmm. until you go back and process that it's, you're going to carry it forth in all kinds of areas of your life. And then, yeah. and the way you try to take control of your life through minimizing the risk of that pain of, of experiencing that again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's really like what the, the instrumentalizing is, is like, if I, if I, if I act in the right way, I'll get the right reaction out of the people. Like if I, if I push the machine's buttons properly, I'll get the right reaction and then I won't experience pain mm-hmm. is really what it came to. Yeah. And obviously if we talk about like the, the safety, warmth, caring and social emotional bonding of the tribe, that's not a very healthy way to like approach the tribe. Mm-hmm. Right. And so with my intention, I wanted to heal my connection to the tribe mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted to feel worthy as I am and not what I think I must be, mm-hmm. right? And when I was writing the, the journal entry before this trip of really organizing my thoughts, like I wrote that, that same line and I was just like struck by this feeling of almost like desperation. I'm just like, I want to fix my connection to the tribe. Like I want this so bad, mm-hmm. right? And I was honestly just surprised by how much pain there still is there, you know? And like, yeah, like I feel fine about my experiences in elementary school when I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. most of the time. But like I said, when I wrote that line and just like felt that feeling within me and I was just like, oh, like that's still there. Yeah. That shit is still there. And like, I found a lot of emotional healing in the past, you know, 10 years of my life being in self-improvement, like I said, but that stuff is still there deep that when I'm like in a, in a, in a, a session of journaling and really going deep into myself and bringing that stuff up, there's still some stuff there that I need to deal with. Yeah. Well, like all the things, like we were just saying, like all, all the things with self-improvement, that's, mm-hmm. that's back at the, at the core of that is like, I need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So you're going to, yeah, you're going to feel good when you're doing self-improvement, you're like, yeah, this gives me comfort, comfort because I'm getting better. So I think, so I have more control over my reality and how people see me. Yeah. But that's still, that's not the same thing as actually processing those emotions. And now that you're finally giving yourself permission to go there, it's like, you're seeing how much, how much there still is. Absolutely. That's so true. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'll get to that because that's that's a huge paradigm shift that this mushroom trip really helped me with. Wow! It, it was yeah, it was cool. Um, it was cool. It, it was so cool, cool though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like one of the things that I do want to mention is the idea of Ubuntu, and Ubuntu is uh, it's going to be really fun. I, I can't wait to get into that part. <laughs> Because like I see you smiling, just so the viewers can hear. <laughs> I just like the word. Yeah, Ubuntu, it's a fun it's, word. It's a fun word. Yeah, it's like the 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 name of our mics is Uhuru. Yeah, that's another really like cool cool word like is that. Is that a plug for our mics? You want to sponsor is. us? Yeah, sponsor us now. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and so Ubuntu is essentially this, um, oh man, I'm going to butcher this, but I think it's South African. I, I think it's African. I think it's, it's like kind of like a, one of the unifying aspects of African culture. Wow. Yeah. And basically Ubuntu, if we were to translate that into a word uh, or into a phrase rather, it is I am because we are. Wow. And that's like, you can't get a better like slogan or catchphrase for tribe. You know, yeah. I am because we are. You can't get more purple than that. Oh man. That like, when I heard uh, Leo say that in from actualize.org, <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it hit me and I was just like, oh, like that is fucking tribe. Mm -hmm. That's like what I want. Like I am because we are. That's like the missing piece. You know, like I just felt that it hit me in my fucking soul. You know, it was just good. So yeah, like that's basically setting the stage. That's like, that's where I was at before. Uh, I had this very pathological view of the tribe and mm -hmm. my connection to it. Mm -hmm. And I wanted this trip to heal that. And so starting the trip, um, the setting was a unique setting. It was, uh, it was Kaylee's bedroom. It's in my room. When I compare that bedroom to my room, it is so much like warmer and safe. <laughs> like my room is so sterile. Like I need to add some warmth yeah. <laughs> to put it. Like I need to design my room. Like yeah. it, there's just nothing on the walls. <laughs> it's just very functional and Over, instrumentalized. Overhead lighting. Overhead That's lighting, all I'm yeah. going to say is okay. overhead lighting. Okay. Not in a good way. What do you mean? Oh, oh. <laughs> what do you mean then? I don't know. What Overhead you mean. lighting is yeah. a no-no. Oh, it's a no-no, really? It's a no-no. You want some lamps. Oh, shit. Okay. You want some lamps. I didn't even know that. A vibe lamp. Yeah. You didn't even know that. No. <laughs> this is new to me. Like, I'm learning new shit every day. Um, um, wait, just a comment on that. Like, yeah. Obviously, like, I mean, yeah, you told me about your intention going into this. So I was aware of the, the purple healing and stuff but now that we're really getting into it yeah i think it's so perfect that you tripped in my room yeah like i am a member of your tribe and wow. here is my space and like yeah. it was like it represents me and i'm like holding you while you go through this like that's this so is, fucking true that's beautiful oh my god that i didn't even realize that but that's mm -hmm. so true thank mm -hmm. you so much you're welcome i appreciate that so much <laughs> um yeah and it was just like it's a very warm and cozy place and mm -hmm. It got me thinking while I was doing my journaling, my, my post-trip journaling, like, so there's this study that basically what they did is that they got people to do a, um, a speech, a fake speech in front of like, I can't remember exactly if it was in front of a, a crowd or like a fake crowd or like what it was, but like, or like some people sitting in the audience. Right. Mm -hmm. And the control condition was not told to do anything. They were just like, okay, do the speech, go up there, have it done, right? Whereas the experimental condition, what they did is they told them to, if you feel any anxiety or if you feel any of these physiological symptoms, that's excitement, right? And tell yourself that's excitement, right? They're pretty open about what they're trying to do. Like they didn't try to hide it. They didn't try to like sneak it in. They were like, you're going to feel some like nervousness. It's excitement. Mm -hmm. right tell yourself it's excitement like your heart racing and stuff yeah, like that yeah exactly and so what they did after this speech 
is I, I think they took um, subjective ratings from the people. They asked them like how they did. And then they also took measures of stress response. Mm-hmm. And what they found is that for the experimental group that was told to pre-appraise the experience as exciting, they did better, they felt better about it, and their stress response was not as high, mm-hmm. right? And so when we're getting back to the idea of like the setting, when I went into your room, I just felt like this is a warm and cozy room, mm-hmm. right? And so like that was basically pre-appraising the entire experience with warm and cozy, mm-hmm. right? And I was just thinking like it kind of that kind of dawned on t- on me how important setting really is, mm-hmm. is because if you're if you like walk into like a haunted house like drug den or something and you're like I'm gonna do mushrooms here, you're mm-hmm. like that's that's pre-appraising <laughs> your experience with some like not very good words, yeah. right? And just how closely set and setting interact. Mm-hmm. Your setting informs your mindset. Absolutely. And your mindset. Never mind. What? I don't know. No. You can cut that last okay. bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that shit out. Yeah. I want to sound perfect. It's fucking shitty. <laughs> um, and so, so like the cozy word, the cozy setting mm-hmm. basically pre-appraises any physiological sensations as warm and cozy. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so one of the things that I experience when I come up on mushrooms is that like deep in my pelvis, there's like a bar of energy just shoots up into my mouth basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this bar of energy. And usually before when I was like in my sterile room, mm-hmm. um, I sound like a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I've seen his room. <laughs> I would not trip there. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, thanks for that. Um, really part of the tribe, Kaylee. Yeah, really, yeah. really. I'm yeah, sorry, I'm not making you. you feel safe right now. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're making me feel very judged right now, I gotta say. Um, but yeah, like in my room, this sterile room, psychopathic room, I basically like, I, I experienced this bar of energy as anxiety. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I was in your room, I was like, oh, this is like, warm and this is like exciting and fun and it was probably due to the setting Mm -hmm. it was probably due to like just being in this place where i felt warm and cozy and the same bar of anxiety became a bar of warmth Mm -hmm. and it just got me thinking like our code our language influences our perception of reality Right. Mm-hmm. And like, I've heard that before and I've been, I've gone through certain periods of my life where I was like totally into that and totally not. And now I'm just like, I, I realize so much how true that is. Mm-hmm. Right. And if we, if we think about like, I am not an expert, first of all, on Kundalini or anything like that. I've heard it tangentially, mm-hmm. but I know that like, at least as far as I understand, it's kind of like a bar or like a serpent of energy or something like starting in your pelvis and like it goes up Mm. into your head. Right. And when I think about this bar of energy that I feel when coming up on mushrooms, if I have the language of Kundalini, I would probably describe it as like a Kundalini awakening Mm -hmm. or something to that effect. Whereas because of my, my kind of modernist scientific understanding, I would describe it as like the physiological sensation of heat mm-hmm. in my, uh, from my pelvis to my mouth, mm-hmm. right? Like a bar instead of a serpent. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like we are pre-appraising our entire experience based on the code or language that we use to describe that experience. Yes. Yeah. And it's like that's kind of, again, I'm just... I'm, 
very tangentially know about postmodernism. Mm-hmm. I'm learning more and more about it. I actually started this uh, book called um, From Moderni- Modernity to Postmodernity mm-hmm. um, by Lawrence Cahoon. And uh, it just, it reminds me of this part in Food of the Gods by Terrence McKenna. Okay. Great book. Great book. Um, and he talks about language and that's mm. like in the beginning and I've never really thought about it before because he's saying that like language isn't a reflection of reality. It's not, it's, yeah, it's like, it's not a, a one-to-one relationship. Like we create language to convey our experience, but mm. language actually informs our experience mm. and creates our experience. It right. creates reality. It's not just a reflection of reality or a representation of reality. I'm like, that's fucking trippy. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. And like, uh, I just started reading uh, or listening to the book, You're It by Alan Watts. You're it? it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he said that like, so what he says is basically like trying to fix yourself is like trying to pierce the head of a pin with that same pin, right? And so that's kind of like what I've come to understand about um, the postmodern insight is that like when you're using language or the system to try to define the system, mm-hmm. you're, you're like you're, you're going to this like circular logic thing where it's mm. like you're trying to pierce the pin of the needle with the needle itself. And it's like you, you can't necessarily do that. There's always going to be limitations to that. And the system is the thing that like restricts how you can actually do that Mm -hmm. so it's like if you have a certain system and you're trying to explain your reality you're only able to explain that reality based on how the system allows you to do so Mm -hmm. right and so when we're talking about like this psychedelic experience my code my language is the is not only the only way i can understand this experience it's limiting what i can get from this experience Right. And, and it, it's so subtle as to be, just be sitting in a room and describing it as cozy and warm. And that completely changes my perception of my own body. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's so cool. And I just like to, to hear that philosophically and be like, okay, that sounds true. But then to experience it firsthand in your direct mm-hmm. experience, it's like, yeah. fuck, that's so Especially true. Especially when you're in the headspace of being on mushrooms. Yeah. It takes on that crazy <laughs> meaning and you're like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And so like last thing, last thing I'll kind of say about that is like, it, it just stands to why you need multiple and complex codes mm-hmm. to explain experience. Because if, if your code is limiting the way that you understand reality, mm-hmm. you need to have a very complex and widespread code Mm -hmm. to be able to like jump into different perspectives to see your reality and say like okay so maybe scientific materialism is like the most accurate code that we have the most accurate system that we have to explain reality Mm -hmm. but it is still a creation of the human mind and it's still so it's so is still limited Mm -hmm. maybe kundalini is just like all this weird spiritual bullshit that doesn't make sense right maybe that's true but there's going to be some element of it that allows you to explain reality in just a little bit of a different way, maybe a little bit more of a true way in this one way. And being able to put yourself in that code and say, okay, how much more of reality can I explain with this? Mm. 
and then applying that back to your other codes and mm. like getting the average is going to give you such a bigger picture view of reality. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Like the more perspectives, the better. And like, if you say you're limited by your code, that's like a limit to how you can interpret and how you can experience anything. Mm -hmm. Even just the awareness of that fact, like the words you use to describe an experience being like, that is just one code and somebody else could call it something completely different. Like that's, yeah. even if you don't have all of the codes, just awareness of the fact that it's just a code is really important. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause like we, we, it's, it's not, you know, the map is not the territory. Mm -hmm. It's understanding that like, however accurate your map may be, it is still just a map. Mm -hmm. Right. And it is still, you know, if you walk around Paris, with just looking into a map the entire time, you can probably get around, but you're not actually going to see Paris, mm -hmm. right? And so that's how we kind of experience reality is that we're only ever seeing the map and then assuming that we've actually seen Paris. We will always be limited, but the more diverse our toolkit, the more we'll be able to approximate the actuality of experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It and is. just like why we use psychedelics too. It's just like yeah. to explore the, the limits and the possibilities of our consciousness. Um, and so <laughs> moving on from that tangent, <laughs> um, I just began to sink into this just extraordinarily warm and comfortable feeling. Like I, I just, you, you used the words being held before. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just being held by just like reality. Like I just was just mm. like, I, I like put my arms around myself and I was just like, oh, like this is so nice. Like this just feels so good just mm. to be right here where I am, mm. you know? And I just started repeating the words in my head, like safety, acceptance, family, love, warmth. And it was just like repeating in my head and I wasn't doing this. Mm. They just appeared in my head. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, these words are what the tribe represents. And I felt just a huge amount of gratitude just wash over me. And I was just mm -hmm. like, I am so held right now. And it, it made me realize how grateful I am for the people in my life, how grateful I am for my family, how grateful I am for my friends. And I realized that this is when it really kind of started dawning on me is that like my connection to the tribe isn't pathological. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I have amazing friends. I have an amazing family that I love so much and miss so much. You know, like my last mushroom trip, I started bawling my eyes out because I missed my family so much. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I had this like feeling of gratitude for my family. And, you know, my previous trips this, this past year, I had been shown how much I had distanced myself from them. And I had thought that before these trips, I, I thought that like my relationship to my family was healthy. You know, like I, I looked at my relationship with fam my family and it's like, okay, we live across the country, but everything is like fine. Like there's nothing wrong there. Right. And then I was kind of showed like how much I distanced myself from them and I realized that like I had, I realized that I'd become so focused on their imperfections 
that I was blinded to who they really were. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, I, I created these unrealistic standards and then when they, when they, they didn't meet them, I use that as justification for why I should be distant from them. Right. And it was like, it wasn't like I was doing this consciously. It was more just like, Oh, we're not interested in the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it was almost like that. Right. And like, again, like I would talk to them, we'd have like conversations and stuff. Like it didn't seem like there's anything wrong. And yet there was just this underlying feeling of not being satisfied with who they were. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like some of these unrealistic standards that I had are like, I expected them to be physically fit, uh, meditated every day, you know, educating themselves on, on assortment of things and just being like super self-improved. Right. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like they would never be able to meet these standards, not because of some deficiency on their part, but because I had these unhealthy expectations. It's like you were seeing all the ways, like you you were projecting the expectations and the standards you had for yourself onto your family. Yeah. Yeah, that's really it. And you're like, because you were always seeing, because you're always focused on improvement, that's inherently coming from a place of lacking and seeing yourself as needing to be improved. And you kind of just extended that to your, your family. So like, obviously they were, they were always there, but that was like the main issue. Like they weren't the ones that were bullying you. Like your family weren't the ones that were hurting you, but because you internalized that from school, you put that on them. Like it's almost like you saw it as their fault in a way, or like you, you associated maybe not their fault that that was happening to you, but you saw who they were as associated as close to who you were at that time, and because you learned to not like who you were at that time, you decided not to like who they are and wh- where they lined up in those ways. Yeah. So if you said you internalized this feeling of shame about your body and feeling fat, being called fat, and then you said your your, your family, you, you wanted them to be super fit. It's mm-hmm. like it's like in your head they were who you used to be. Like yeah. they were. That's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you're changing and you're growing and you're you're taking control of your health and your fitness and stuff. And you're like, why aren't you doing that? You want them to be going with you as you're changing. Yeah, that's exactly it. And like, I would, I would try to like motivate them to do the, you know, to be fit or to be meditating, whatever it was, but I wasn't motivating for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was motivating them so that I could feel as if my tribe was healthy Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it wasn't about them. It wasn't like yeah. your genuine desire or like for them to be healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. Because if it were, it, it would be more based on them and like what yeah. they wanted and what filled them. But it, it was, it was coming from a, a need for you to feel better about yourself. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like, I don't want to like minimize also my good intentions mm-hmm, of course that's because, part of it too exactly and like I, i've i've noticed that like I, i've when i become conscious of these of you know kind of the egotistical or selfish motivations that we have i start to minimize the good intentions and say mm-hmm. it's only the selfish stuff yeah. but there were good intentions but it's like you said like if i really was putting motivating them for them as my main motivation mm-hmm. 
I would be motivating them to do the things that they wanted to do, mm-hmm. right? Whereas instead of like motivating them to, to meditate for three hours every day, which <laughs> I never did just to be clear, but like, <laughs> um, instead of motivating them to do that, I, I'd be motivating them to pursue, pursue goals that they like talked about. Like those things where like you kind of talk about like, oh, I'll do that one day. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, identify those things that they say and like help them achieve those things, mm-hmm. right? And I just became very conscious of how I was doing that and where it was coming from. And I realized that like my tribe was healthy. My tribe was okay. And like, I have beautiful parents. Uh, I love them dearly. I know that they love me. They're very supportive. Mm -hmm. My sister is an amazing mother. I love her. She loves me, you know, and like there was nothing wrong there Mm -hmm. other than these expectations that I really just had for myself so Mm -hmm. that I could feel good. Mm-hmm. about myself mm-hmm. and projecting that outward on my family, on my tribe. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I needed to focus on the love that I could give my family for who they are, not for who I needed them to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, I realized that I had to be an active creator in the relationships that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I wanted to have a healthy tribe, I needed to approach my tribe in a healthy way. And that required me to go into myself and realize that I was trying to fix myself through fixing them and heal that need. And so I could show up in my family in a way that was healthy. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is when I kind of got into like these these periods of like self-attack mm. where the, this feeling of warmth kind of started going away and I became very cold. Mm. I was actually like freezing. Like I was like in pain with how cold I was. Mm. And I would have these like cycles where I would be like go deep into my own mind and start like attacking myself. Like I would think of like some like social interaction that I had or some like thing that had happened. And it was those, it was those things that like doesn't actually matter, mm-hmm. but you just like attack yourself for them. And then you realize you're doing it. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. Your mind fixates on something mm-hmm. and she's like, Oh, you're feeling it so intensely. Yeah. And it's like, this doesn't matter. And even if you know rationally that it doesn't matter, your whole body, your whole emotional state is yeah. just in it. <laughs> ah! I love those. They're so much fun. Yeah. Beautiful uh, times. It was like that, but augmented by the psychedelic experience. Right. <laughs> and so I just be like, in the, I was like in the fetal position, just like holding myself so tightly and just like, you, like you're a fucking idiot. Like, why would you do that? Why would you say that? Like, mm-hmm. fuck you. I hate you. Just like horribly, horribly violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, this is so funny. I, I just love this. So, okay. Context. Before, like the morning of the trip, I was just doing some last minute research and just kind of like reading my journaling, kind of like setting the stage, right? And I went to the Wikipedia page for Ubuntu Mm -hmm. and there was a video on the Wikipedia page of Nelson Mandela uh, explaining the concept of Ubuntu. (laughs) And uh, during these periods of like self-attack, like I would go into it and then like Nelson Mandela would appear to me in like my my mind and be like, (laughs) Ubuntu. (laughs) And like lead me out of this like negativity and just be like, like he didn't say anything else. He just said Ubuntu. Like in his voice, it was like him, like in my mind and it like pulled me out. And then I started looking at this, this thing that I was being so critical of myself about and just being like, it's all good. 
Mm-hmm. It's all happy. It's all fun. Like it's all it's all warm and safe. And it, this is their tribe. And I just felt like that pure that, that like feeling of warmth washed over me again. Mm-hmm. And um, like it's almost like that love that you were realizing for your family and your tribe. Mm-hmm. Like that has to extend to you too, because you are part of it. You're an essential part of the tribe. Yeah. So you need to love yourself that way too, like exactly as you are. Yeah. And not need to put like the, the same expectations that you didn't need to put on your family. Mm-hmm. You didn't need to put on yourself. Exactly. exactly. To that extent where if you aren't the highest version of yourself 24 seven that you are like, oh, you have to like shame yourself and be like, you suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. And I, like, I just, I became overcome with just like acceptance of myself I just became overcome with acceptance for myself and acceptance for everybody in this memory, right? And like, I was just like, we can be one big happy tribe, right? Like all of the world. Like I just became like, we can be perfectly happy with one another. We can be perfectly honest with one another. We can just like reveal our souls and just be one big happily happy family, right? And I just like, I felt these like the beginnings of like the feelings of oneness where it's just like we're all together in this we're all love right Mm -hmm. and that basically went on for most of the peak where i would like go back into these periods of self-attack and then nelson mandela would lead me out come back (laughs) yeah yeah with the uh ubuntu Mm -hmm. (laughs) and rescue you exactly it was just like that happened multiple times. Like, again, it was, I think it was like an hour or something, maybe like, mm. I have no idea how long it lasted, but just repeating those cycles. Um, and then I started coming down mm. and, uh, with coming down, I kind of became a little bit more realistic where that those like feelings of oneness and feelings that like we can be one big, happy family, one big, happy tribe. I realized that like, we just couldn't be one big happy tribe mm-hmm. and uh you know we we just don't live in a world where you can be trusting of everyone mm-hmm. right it, and this was a mistake that i i hope to never make again and i'm going to make sure i don't make it but i thought at this point i was like oh hey let's open up my phone and see what's going on mm. and don't you know it the day of my trip was the day of the capital insurrection in uh, the United States. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and I like opened up my, my Facebook chat and um, I like started reading these comments. I was just like fucking storming the White House. They have guns, like some like stuff like that. Right. And I was just like, okay, this is not the time for my phone. And I set it mm. down. I was like, this is. Not good that, number one, I, I reached for my phone in the middle of the trip to be like, oh, I need my phone right now, right? Mm-hmm. And then I open my phone and it's like confirming to me that we don't live in a world of tribal society anymore. Mm-hmm. We, we don't live in tribal society. And that's kind of the thing that I talked about in the first episode where I was like, the point of these stages of these maps of understanding is that the world changes in the map of understanding that we had in the past doesn't adequately explain the current reality mm-hmm. we don't live in one big tribe no we we don't and so this this idea of even a healthy tribe of being 
safe and warm and social emotional bonding and caring we can't have these things because there are some people out there who just like do not value those things in regard to your people into regard to your tribe mm -hmm. to the point that they're willing to storm their the building of their government and with guns and like have like i think one of the people had like ties and stuff like this anyway let's not get into that but basically like mm -hmm. we just don't live in that world anymore and it kind of dawned on me what the tribe really signifies mm -hmm. is like before this I, when i when i viewed my connection like healing my connection to the tribe what that meant for me is like having a a healthy connection to my workplace or to um you know, being able to go into um, a nightclub or something and just feel perfectly at ease. This is my tribe. These are my people. And at a certain level, that can be valuable. But I realize that it's like, it's not your connection to society because mm -hmm. the tribe, by definition, predates society. Mm -hmm. And also, also an essential component of purple, of stage purple, is that it only is possible on a smaller scale exactly it's like uh dunbar's number mm -hmm. it's like 150 people is the amount of people the human mind can know like yeah. that is like the upper limit of your tribe yeah because past that limit you can't have those tight family bonds anymore because like no. it's just beyond the capabilities of the human mind mm -hmm. and so this is why like this tribal society stage purple way of understanding just can't work anymore because like the human mind isn't capable of living in a tribe of more than about 150 people, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so like, I, I assumed that healing my connection to the tribe was increasing my social skills of like learning to push the proper buttons of the machine, have this like instrumental functional view of human relationships mm -hmm. that if I navigated the system properly, I would be connected to the tribe. I would like have everything work out but all a stage purple person knows is the tribe. A healthy purple is a healthy tribe. That means your relationships to your close family and friends. It's having a support system of people you can trust who love and accept you for who you are, even if you fuck up sometimes. The tribe is safety, stability, trust, comfort, etc. Mm -hmm. And having people in your life where you can have that with that's your stage purple that's having your healthy stage purple mm -hmm. and i realized all this time that i had that all this time i've had that i've had a supportive family i've had supportive friends like i love my friend group mm -hmm. like we're all kind of on this path of self-improvement and we're motivating each other and like we like one of the things that uh you learn when you first get into fitness or at least i did was that like be prepared for your friends to try to talk you out of getting fit or like anything when you make any change in your life that's kind of a warning you get is like oh the people who know you the old way are going to resist exactly. you changing in this new way exactly and mm -hmm. it's like i don't have that mm -hmm. with my friends i don't have that with my family mm -hmm. and and so like this trip I went into it thinking that I, I was going to be given some kind of wisdom or piece of insight that would help me fix my family, help me fix my tribe. And there was nothing to fix. Mm -hmm. The problem was the fact that I thought I needed to fix, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's like, I don't think that self-improvement like this, this need to improve yourself is necessarily 
always coming from that need to fix. Like mm-hmm. I'm still going to self-improve, right? Yeah. But it's not going to be because there's something intrinsically wrong for me or in me. It, it, it's coming from a place now where it's like I see a, a, a positive vision in the future that I want to move toward. Mm-hmm. It's not being negatively motivated anymore, but like yeah. chase or running away from my fucked upness or my my lack of being able to play tag properly as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's me moving forward toward life and love and and warmth and safety yeah you know and and building that not only for myself but for my tribe of being an active creator in the relationships i want to have Mm -hmm. that's so beautiful yeah just realizing that there never was anything wrong (laughs) yeah what was wrong was your perception of there being something to fix exactly exactly it stunned me how obvious it was. Of course, yeah. <laughs> it's so obvious It's in so hindsight. simple, too. And it's yeah. just, but that is such a profound shift in your perception of your family and your friends and also of yourself and your journey of self-improvement. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't have to be coming from this, this place of shadow mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. It's like I have to fix this and I have to control everything to keep myself safe. It's like you realizing you are safe. And now that you have that foundation, which is what the tribe is, it provides that foundation. So now you can go out into the world mm. larger than your, yourself and your tribe. But you can feel safe in that. And you can improve yourself and you can go on these journeys. But it's yeah. coming from a place of safety and love. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And like one of the things that I kind of realized while I was doing my, my trip analysis is um, attachment theory. And how this kind of applies to this situation where uh, if you don't know, attachment theory is basically the idea that like your early experiences as a child dictate how you kind of approach relationships in the future. Uh, and they kind of talk about like different attachment styles. So basically you have like three unhealthy attachment styles where it's um, anxious attachment style, avoidant attachment style and ambiguous attachment style, mm. right? And avoidant is obviously like if if something, even if something is going right in your relationship, you will want to get out of it, mm-hmm. right? Because you're, you've learned to expect something will go wrong. And so you'll push this good relationship away to prevent yourself of, from feeling the pain of something going wrong because something is going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the things that people with an avoidant attachment style will experience is relief at having left a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, then you have anxious attachment style, which is basically like you're the needy person, like always needing to have uh, reaffirmation that everything's fine. You uh, constantly need attention from this person and you can just be like overbearing. And then ambiguous attachment style is or ambivalent. Attachment style? Something like that. I honestly yeah. don't remember. Okay. Well, either way, yeah. <laughs> this attachment style is basically like you oscillate between anxious and avoidant, right? So it's like you you basically adopt like the best of both worlds or the worst of both worlds. It's <laughs> 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 like, basically what you do. Shit. Um, but then there's secure at attachment style, which mm-hmm. is like a healthy view of the other person where it's like you give them your their space and you're okay with that. You're okay... If your partner goes out to um, the club or something, you're fine with that because you trust them and, you know, you don't need constant affirmation for, you know, being, oh, I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm 
not a bad person, right? I'm a good partner. Everything's going fine. That thing you said wasn't pointing towards some issue in the relationship, right? A secure attached, a securely attached person wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. They'd just be like, I mean, it's not perfect. Nothing is perfect, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And if we kind of look up and apply that to stage purple, moving on to the next stage, red. Red is really about, it's the first individualistic stage. You begin to learn to put yourself above the tribe and kind of have your own needs outside the tribe. And so if you're securely attached, you're able to go out into the world because you have that safety support system and you're able to assert yourself confidently and in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have an insecure attachment style, any of those three, you're less able to move into the world and be assertive. You're more likely to be passive aggressive or aggressive. An unhealthy stage red is somebody who is very violent and distrustful and expects themselves to be manipulated and betrayed. And I mean, Donald Trump is textbook stage red. And so, yeah, like if you have uh, an insecure attachment style, you're going to move into the world without a safe base, right? And if you have an unhealthy stage red, you're going to be very motivated by your own internal desires and you're willing to like take what's yours like it's kind of like the 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 leadership style of stage red is might makes right rule by the strongest fist and you justify taking what's yours because you want it mm-hmm. right that's kind of how you define your morality and i think that if we apply these two models together we kind of see that like an unhealthy stage red comes out of having an unhealthy purple Mm-hmm. Right, because if your tribe, if there's something wrong with their tribe, if there's something like unhealthy about the tribe, you're going to have an unhealthy stage red, because that's a society that is dangerous, mm-hmm. and so you need to have a very violent and hostile stage red in order to survive that unhealthy tribe. Mm. Whereas if you have a very healthy tribe, if the tribe is securely attached, you can be an individualist, and there's not a huge issue there. Because the tribe is happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. You, you have the kind of the mental capacity to go against the tribe because everything is safe. Like I was talking about at the beginning where like a very conservative traditional tribe is like you need to follow the rituals or you will die. Well, if, if the environment is safe enough that you don't need to follow the rituals as closely, mm-hmm. well, then you can be an individualist and it's not as looked down upon. Yeah, And so this makes total sense with like attachment theory. It's like, if you have a secure attachment, if everything is healthy and happy and fine, you can be assertive and confident in a way that doesn't step on anybody else. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have an unhealthy attachment style, an unhealthy stage purple, you're going to move into the world in unhealthy and overly hostile and aggressive ways. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's really amazing what you just did there. <laughs> Connecting those two yeah. different theories. That really makes a lot of sense. Because yeah, if if you, when you're young, if you have that safety and you feel like, oh yeah, I'm a good person, people accept me. And even like, not that I'm perfect, but like you're, you're comfortable moving through that and having those interactions. And yeah, you know, it's not like, cause yeah, no one's ever perfect. And it's not like 
everyone's childhood needs to be just perfectly free of any conflict or any um if you feel safe as you are with all your imperfections right then you have that like base confidence Mm -hmm. navigating the world yeah and because you don't see people as dangerous or or you're just not afraid of people so much of others then you don't feel the need to to be anxious or avoidant you don't feel the need to constantly need their their approval, their approval yeah and you don't also feel the need to to run away if things are genuinely good you're like comfortable in a healthy relationship yeah mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and like uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know i get it yeah all of that shit <laughs> Um, yeah, that's exactly it. And like the way I was going to say the way that applies to me, um, (laughs) say that. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I was so focused again on like healing my connection to the tribe and I realized that I had a healthy tribe. I realized that my connection was like just realizing that the connection was there the connection was always there and like that bridge was always there for me to cross Mm -hmm. and how i'm kind of moving forward trying to integrate the this lesson is to start practicing gratitude and appreciation for my tribe Mm -hmm. right so that i can shift my focus to all that i do have rather than being obsessively focused on the lack Mm -hmm. and shift my focus from what I need to what I need to what I can give not for my benefit but for our benefit mm-hmm. right I am because we are right Ubuntu <laughs> Ubuntu exactly <laughs> by focusing on gratitude for your your friends and your family like the here and now mm-hmm. that is essentially being like a healthy purple it's like bringing your focus back to on the putting it back on the smaller scale yeah. Because it has to exist at a smaller scale. Like you can only influence so much, mm-hmm. you know, in like a really meaningful, impactful way. Obviously we live in a world with a lot of technology and like making this podcast, hopefully we can inf- inf- impact people's lives, like wherever they are. But I think a lot of the problems that society has right now are like, or like that individuals have on a societal level are like mm. things when your concern is too far beyond your tribe, you know, yeah. like the amount of emotional, like people can fall into a depression from looking at the news and stuff and like spreading their concern to all these different countries with all these different problems. When it's like, you need to like focus on your tribe yeah, and your attention, like, bringing it back to the here and now. And like, yeah, that could be for like issues, world issues, but also even just like social media and all the different people's lives we can follow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, does it matter? Like we got like everything, everything. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm trying to say right now. Just like <laughs> everything is on this larger scale. And that's usually where our attention goes. Is like, it's up here. Yeah. And we just need to bring it back down to like, to have things be more intimate, more intimately connected mm-hmm. and like focus on giving. Yeah. You know, not needing things to be the way we think they are. Like focus well, on what we can give here and now. Yeah. 
the people around us and our community. Absolutely. And I feel like that's, you know, in the first episode, I kind of talked about how we need to learn the lessons from the previous stages. Mm -hmm. And that's like what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm trying to like integrate these previous stages. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, like you said, like our, our society has lost this, the lessons of stage purple so much of mm -hmm. like the tribal family so much that I feel like a lot of the issues that people have in modern society is because they're trying so desperately to fix the tribe. How do I put that? I feel like, you know, and so when we apply this to modern society and like how people are like, you know, social media has brought us closer together and yet further apart mm -hmm. is because like they're, they're trying to find their tribe mm -hmm. in social media or in um, these disparate groups around the world, like getting lost in, you know, QAnon conspiracy theories or something like this is because their tribe at home, their connection to their tribe is unhealthy mm. or their ability to connect with the people around them is limited. Mm -hmm. You know, like an incel is a perfect example of that is someone who's so incapable of connecting with women that they've adopted this idea of like an involuntary celibate, like that's their identity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're so incapable of, uh, you know, having these relationships that like they come up with these weird theories that are just hateful of women or are uh, hateful of society, blaming society for the fact that they can't get laid. Mm -hmm. or, or they, I don't want to say that. that. It's not that they can't get laid. It's that they can't find emotional connection to women. Mm -hmm. It's not simply about not getting laid. It's like they, they feel like they can't have meaningful relationships with women, mm -hmm. you know? And when we talk about the lessons of stage purple and the psychedelics as a huge movement in the psychedelic community is honoring tribal wisdom, the shamanistic rituals mm -hmm. and not losing the shamanistic wisdom, you know, of yeah. not like having Western people take over these traditions and like kind of lose the value in them. Because a lot of these, these are stage purple rituals. These are stage purple ways of, Knowing. Knowing. And if we want to heal our connection to the tribe so we can go out into the world and have a healthy society, we need to have these healthy stage purple foundations of our tribe. And psychedelics and shamanistic rituals are the perfect way to reintroduce this to our very unhealthy and toxic society. Mm -hmm. We need to go to the wisdom of the tribe, go to the wisdom of the shamanistic rituals with psychedelics or whatever it is, and learn to be healthy with our own tribe. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're so obsessed with fixing everybody else because we're projecting our own internal illness on the outside world. Mm -hmm. And that like going in and fixing, not fixing, going in and just like, I don't know. I don't know how to put that because like what fixing ourselves is that what you're trying to say yeah like, yeah like fixing ourselves and fixing our connection to the tribe going in and healing healing yeah. healing ourselves yeah mm -hmm. and healing our, that connection to the tribe because like you said it was always there mm -hmm. i mean yeah like obviously it isn't for everybody like you're lucky that yeah you do have like good friends and for good sure. family for sure and 
this was just a matter of shifting your attention back to what you had mm -hmm. versus being in that. My will and attention. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. you're creating that now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, like you said, I, I'm very privileged in that way that I do have such a healthy tribe. And a lot of people don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so like, I feel like, again, I feel that learning to accept ourselves and learning to accept the people in our lives and work toward a better tribe can do so much for stepping out into the world as a person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think psychedelics are a great way to do that. It was really powerful for me, wow. you know? Yeah. That's amazing. It's really interesting that you had this experience mm -hmm. and like in such a, a hard time to make those in-person connections with yeah. your tribe and stuff. And I was actually reflecting on this yesterday about our tribe and our friend group and how I haven't been around like more than one of you at the same time. Like, you know, it's, it's always one-on-one -on -one now and yeah. that's great. And I'm lucky that I'm close to a few people that I can connect with right now in these isolating times, but, yeah. but it is something that I've been feeling a lack in as well, mm -hmm. just because of how the world is right now. Yeah. But I don't know. Even when you see people and talk to people, and I do, I, it, we are very lucky that we have, that we're very close and that we have, our other friends are along similar paths of working on themselves and their, mm -hmm. their development. But I don't know. It can be, it can be hard to feel held in that way. Yeah. 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 I don't know. You don't even have to keep this in. I'm just going to go off for a no, second. It's, it's fine. But like yesterday. Can I keep this in? I, if you want, if you want, mm. like you can for sure. Um, but just like, like, I mean, I talked to my last, in, in our last podcast about living alone right now mm -hmm. and trying to embrace that. And like, that's valuable. And that's something that I have to work on, but just really missing that feeling of connection with others and yeah. my tribe on, in like a holistic kind of way where I feel like, yes, there is support for like, you, you know, you're supported, mm -hmm. but it's, it's hard to feel that like yeah. physically and the lacking of like physical contact. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's very important yeah. to be like held physically. For sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. And, and to just, and to like be held in your imperfections too. Cause you know, like it's so, I, I don't know. I mean, I, everybody feels this, like the need to present themselves as like, like I'm good. I'm okay. And like, even what you were saying earlier in this, where you feel the need to kind of downplay your yeah. struggles or like this thing that happened years and years and years ago, and you're like, Oh, was it really that bad? And I feel like on a daily basis, we can do that to ourselves. Like, oh, is it really that bad? Like, because like you're saying, yeah, focus on gratitude and focus on all the things you do have. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful and that's important, but make room for the, the spaces that still are hurting and allow yourself to feel those things too. Yeah. And allow other people to see you that way, you know? Like mm -hmm. allow to be vulnerable with your tribe. Yeah. I think that's essential because like the purple is like, you, everybody knows each other. Like, intimately like not just like what you present out in the world it's like they they know you and i feel that's like what i was trying to say earlier about like what society needs from the stage purple mm -hmm. mindset is really that is mm -hmm. like you know like I, I talked to before about my 
my like being called fat and like I, I said like I got fit and stuff like that. Um, yeah, you're jacked. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I, and I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I'm fat shaming because mm-hmm. you know I think that everybody should be accepted and and feel accepted of them accepting of themselves no matter what they look like you know and i feel like i may have approached that in a way that may have felt somebody who might be overweight or fat or whatever you want to call it um insulted or or ostracized mm-hmm. right and i don't want to do that because like again if we learn the lessons from stage purple it's about accepting your tribe exactly as they are imperfections at all mm-hmm. and the internal stage purple is doing that for yourself too where it's like if, if you're somebody who has some kind of imperfection by society standards or whatever the case may be, be accepting of yourself and have a tribe of people who accept you exactly as you are, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, I think our society is missing that so much. And you see that with why like we have these conversations about like fat shaming or um body shaming or or every other shaming that you can think of Mm -hmm. is because people don't have that sense of tribal acceptance in themselves and with their external tribe Mm -hmm. that they're Mm -hmm. they're trying to get society to do this to change which should i'm not saying it shouldn't but Mm -hmm. they're, they're focusing so much on trying to get the society level fixed that i think in a lot of cases like we need to come back and we need to fix or heal our tribe mm-hmm. so that when we go out into society, we're going out from that place of acceptance because a lot of the people who are doing the fat shaming are probably projecting their own shame or their own lack of self-acceptance on the, on the other. If you're shaming somebody for being fat, um, you're, you're really projecting your own hurt onto mm-hmm. them for whatever it is. Whereas if everybody has this tribe, if everybody has this place of acceptance, you're not going to be so judgmental on other people, mm-hmm. right? And so I feel like the lesson that we need to learn from Stage Purple is that tribal acceptance and honoring tribal traditions in a psychedelic context is going to do so much for that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really excited for um, the Plant Spirit Summit, mm-hmm. this uh, this summit that we, we bought access to that happened just this past week. Um, it really talks about that. It really talks about like honoring the tribe and not losing the tribe, not like, um, like they use the the language, like decolonizing the psychedelic shamanistic Mm. rituals, Mm -hmm. you know, and making sure we, we keep those lessons because we've lost those lessons in our modern society. Yes. 100%. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Another point on the society scale is like how we deal with other people's faults and other people's mm-hmm. issues like in, in terms of cancel culture like as soon as you if you make a mistake it's like you're you're removed yeah from the society instead of just like how can we heal this like what is what problem is this showing mm-hmm. that still exists and, yeah. how, and how can we like like the rehabilitation process like where do these people go yeah <laughs> they're not dead now <laughs> They're still out there, And they probably still have all these issues. And maybe it'll be worse now because they've mm-hmm. just been completely ostracized. Yeah. And, like, obviously there are different ranges for, like, the things people get canceled over. You know, it's like, oh, you say something or you do something, which is, like... Yeah. And there are varying degrees, obviously. But mm-hmm. either way, like, people aren't 
hopeless. Yeah. They need help. They need, they also are just like severely damaged inside. Like that's still a person that has a lot of issues clearly if they're doing these things and like just removing them isn't going to no. help that. It's not going to fix that issue. You're just shoving in into the shadow. Yeah. It's creating a larger shadow for society. Yeah. Like you said, when we, we cancel these people and just like get rid of them, they're still out there. They're still believing probably even are more entrenched in mm -hmm. whatever beliefs were. They're more entrenched in whatever beliefs they had that made them be canceled in the first place. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be a way back. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a way to rehabilitate. And, and like, that sounds so evil or scary, like mm -hmm. rehabilitate the people who believe something different than us. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about like beliefs that are hateful, they come from a place of, of pain and of lack and yeah. of fear, you know, like somebody who's racist or somebody who's homophobic, they're afraid, mm -hmm. you know? And like, we have a, we have a friend who's a very religious person and he's not homophobe just to, just to be clear. But, <laughs> um, you know, he, he really does believe in demons, mm -hmm. right? He believes that like, there are these beings out there who will attack you if you don't follow the rules of God. And if you're a homophobe, you legitimately believe that there are these extra dimensional beings that will like attack you and destroy society if people are homosexual. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to use that as a means of like apologizing for them. That's not my point. Mm -hmm. But my point is to like empathize with that fear and be like, we need to find a way to, to help that fear, to, 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 to create safety, hmm. that sense of tribal safety yeah. for these people. Yeah. And so that they don't need to be so afraid of something like this happening. And that's hard. Like, I'm not mm -hmm. diminishing how difficult that is and how, like, complicated of a problem that is. But I just don't feel that this, this cancel culture, this... this need to destroy people's lives and, and reject them and ostracize them from the tribe is the way to go. Mm -mm. I really don't. I, I feel that we need to approach hate with love. And I don't know how to do that. No, it's... I have no fucking clue how to do that, but mm -hmm. I feel like we need to try. Yeah. You know? Psychedelics are the answer. Just kidding. Wouldn't that be easy? That would be easy. Psychedelics fix everything. Yeah. They're not. They're and they not. don't, but it is, they are such an a powerful tool when it comes to what we're talking about, which is getting at the root cause of these issues Yeah, and having that empathy and having that compassion for other people and healing through love. Yeah. And that's not easy. Yeah. None of this is easy. No. But it's worth it. It is absolutely worth it. I mean. we are a tribe. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we are a tribe. Like, I'm so grateful for you. For I'm real. I'm so grateful for you too, Will. Good. Thank Good. you so much for opening up and sharing yourself and being vulnerable. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It was, uh, it was nerve wracking mm -hmm. when I was sitting there before, like talking about minimizing and just like, nobody wants to hear about this. Nobody cares. Yeah. It's not like, it's not bad. It's not, you know, you're making this seem so much worse than it is. Like, mm -hmm. just keep it to yourself. Don't be sensitive. Don't be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so many people think that way about their problems because they're not accepting themselves they're not accepting mm -hmm. their emotional pain because they don't have a healthy tribe yeah. <laughs> you know it's like yeah and it's funny it's the it's funny the way we do that too yeah it's like instead of being like oh 
I don't think this is like you, you don't put you put it on the other person. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, they don't want to hear about this. Yeah. And so you're like you're justifying your limited limits for yourself based on what you think others will think of you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is that's not important. They don't want to hear that. It's like, no, you're judging it to be that way. And people do. The people people want to people want you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that may, I don't know how to say it, but I get what you mean. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear about your issues Yeah. so that I can help you. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I love you and I want you to be happy. Yeah. You know? And it's like when I was talking before about like my family and how I was kind of like having these standards, like I love them and I want to help them. Mm-hmm. That was a huge motivator for me, but like it was just coming from an unhealthy place. Yeah. And we need to, we need to check in with ourselves and make sure that we're good and reach out to the tribe to help us get that too. Yeah. You know. And trust that they're going to support you. And they're yeah. going to love you. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, I'm just, it's really hitting me how important tribe is and how grateful I am. Like, fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. Some people have been alone this entire time in quarantine. Yeah. And I just feel for those people so much. And like, if you're one of those people listening to this now, if you've mm-hmm. been alone, like, please reach out. You might be physically alone, but you're not yeah. emotionally alone. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It's hard to know that yeah. and feel that. Our society needs to learn from tribal societies of yeah. just having those support systems mm-hmm. and really moving forward. Like, this is why I love Spiral Dynamics. Yeah. Is that you learn like the lessons from the previous stages and the things that they had and like honoring those and not trying to demonize them or to belittle them and learning those lessons and bringing them into the modern world so that we can have a healthy society a healthy spiral moving mm-hmm. forward you know yeah. i love i love <laughs> spa dynamics man it's so cool like yeah. it makes just so much sense and makes things it just gives such a good framework for yeah. having your beliefs in and like knowing that it's like just a framework it's just a mm-hmm. model it's not it's just a map not the territory yeah but that's part of it. Like the higher stages are about understanding that it is just a model, mm-hmm. that it is just a way to look at the world and it's not the real world, you yeah. know? It's really amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, like if you're one of those people that are isolated right now, like you don't have your tribe, please reach out to somebody. Like I'm sure there are organizations, I'm sure there are communities online for you We're going to try to find some and and link them in the description. Like, please take that time. Like, it's so valuable to have some people with you. And there are, there are people out there who are going to be able to be that for you if you don't have that right now. So Mm. please like, don't feel ashamed for needing to get that. Just get the help you need for right now. Cause like these are dark times. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about all we have to say about that. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs) (laughs) that's it that's it folks yeah (laughs) sorry you can go again that was fun (laughs) so yeah thank you so much for um sticking around this long if you've made it to the end we really appreciate that like we hope you got something out of this podcast we wish you the best in life thank you so much we love you we love you you're part of our tribe now yes You are because we are. Yeah. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> I don't know. Ubuntu moving forward. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Sound like I was hanging up on the phone. I don't know. Okay. <laughs>